Well, welcome everybody. It's a little bit different tonight because we, we knew we'd have a lot of numbers away being our Father's Day. So we thought we'd do something a bit different, but I do feel old because Dan and I are the only fathers in this place. But the good news is everybody has had a father, hopefully, or has a father still. But the importance of fathers in society is uh, so super important. And in fact, I had a young lady this morning just text me and I wasn't expecting it, who hasn't really got a dad in her life and she wished me happy Father's Day. And I just went, wow. And I found out through her mother that there's two men in her life that she looks up to as a dad and one of them is myself and one's another guy as well who's a friend in our group. And I was just blown away about how society are desperate for fathers, also mothers, but being Father's Day is such an important thing. And I just want to encourage you, if you have not rung your dad, I don't know what your relationship's like with him, but I encourage you to wish him a happy Father's Day. You would not be in this world without him, first and foremost. But let that love of the Heavenly Father that has affected your life, let it flow through to your dad, whether you have a good relationship with him or not. I just encourage you to do that tonight. Well, if it's okay, I just want to share a brief message. We've come into a new series um, this month and we're actually labelling it Back to Basics. And uh, Cade actually gave all the gatherings an opportunity to come up with what they wanted to share this month. And I thought what better thing to do than to talk about the basics, about Christianity, about God and our relationship with Him. And if you got your Bible, I want to open up this series with this scripture. Well, it's a few few scriptures. There's a bit of reading, but then I'm just going to share a few stories and then we're going to pray. But it's found in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. And it's a, a story of a man by the name of Elisha and a woman from, and I can never know if I'm pronouncing this correct, where she's from. Maybe you could correct me. But Shidnam, does that sound correct? That's what we're going with tonight, all right? At least we know. So 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. One day Elijah went to a town of Shinnom. There we go. A wealthy woman lived there, and she urged him to come to her house for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. She said to her husband, I'm sure this man who stops here from time to time is a holy man of God. Let us build a small room for him on a roof and furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. Then when he comes to this place, he has somewhere to stay when he comes by. One day Elijah returned to Shinnom and went up to the upper room to rest. He said to his servant Gehazi, tell the woman of Shinnom, I want to speak to her. And when she appeared, Elijah said to Gehazi, tell her, we appreciate the kind concern she has shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put a good word in for you with the king or the commander of the army? No, she replied, my family takes good care of me. Then Elijah said to Gehazi, what can we do for her? And Gehazi said, she doesn't have a son and her husband is, a, is an old man. Call her back in, Elijah told, told him. And when the woman returned, Elijah said to her as she stood in the doorway, next year at this time you'll be holding a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she cried, O man, I'm a man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. But sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant. And at that time, the following year, she had a son. And just as Elijah had said, 
Let's just pray. Father, tonight, I just want to thank you for this story. Lord, I, I know we haven't had the band here tonight and, and we, we've had a few people away from Father's Day, but I just sense your presence in this place. And I'm convinced that you are here with us. So Lord, over the next few minutes, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us. We open our hearts to you, Lord God. I just pray what you've, you've got in this word tonight, Lord God, that people would not hear my words, but they would hear your words. Pray you'd speak to each and every one of us and we'd walk away changed tonight. And we give you room to move. Amen. If I had a title for my message tonight, I've got to thank Vanessa for this because she shared about this scripture a few weeks ago when she brought the offering message. If I had a title, it would be this. If you make room for God, he will make room for you. You know, the RBA meets the first Tuesday of every month. In fact, they're meeting this Tuesday to discuss the, the economy that we're in right now. And they bring out their statements and they either raise interest rates, leave interest rates on hold, or they drop interest rates. But they come out and everyone is waiting. It's like a big announcement every first Tuesday of every month. But I never hear Governor Lowe get up and say these words. The boardroom was amazing where we met. The fact is, all these guys, the economists, get together in a room, but I've never heard them once speak about the room. It might be a Zoom room, for all I know. They might still work from the different offices, but nevertheless, they never talk about the room. You know, major decisions in companies are made in boardrooms. When you go see a doctor, whether you've got something that you need to show the doctor in private, she doesn't call your name and say, okay, take all your clothes off in the waiting room, we're going to examine you. She takes you somewhere private to a private room where she shuts the door and you can talk about the things that you need to talk about with the doctor. But when you come home, your family doesn't say, you've been to the doctor, can you tell me about the room? They want to know about the diagnosis but it's nevertheless you're in a private room with the doctor when you see couples in public making out sometimes you just want to say these words to them and grab them and say get a room because things like that shouldn't happen in public you know when the holy spirit chose to come on the day of pentecost he didn't come in an open air place he came to a room it was called the upper room where the disciples were hanging in one location, a place where they could be. Today I want to talk to you about creating room for God in your life. Now I'm not just talking about a physical room. I'm talking a place that you can open your world up, your life up to God and create a room for him. The Bible talks about Jesus coming and knocking on the door of your heart saying, come and let me in. This woman opened up a house for meals for this man of God, but yet she had a need in her life, but that wasn't brought up until after she opened her life up and decided to build a room for the man of God. And in that room, she put four items. One was a bed, one was a table, one was a chair, and one was a lamp. We can learn so much from this story about those four simple things. But first of all, she built the room. A room is a space in your life where God needs room in your life. There's no point wanting to hear from the voice of God or no point wanting to have a relationship with God if you haven't got room for him in your life. 
You see, when two people, a man and woman, come together and get married, they don't live in separate houses. In fact, they usually share, majority of the time, share the same room, unless you snore like me. But they live, inhabit habit together. They might share one bathroom, they might share one bedroom, but nevertheless, they're in the one house, they're in one space, and they have a relationship. And it's like that with our relationship with God. God is not over here and we're over here. When he comes into our life, he wants to come into your room. He wants to come into your space. He wants to get into every aspect of your life. And he doesn't want to be put in a box just over in the corner. He wants to be under your roof. He wants to go wherever he wants to go. He wants full access to your house, to your your mind, to your emotion, to your spirit, to your soul, to your world, to your workplace. When you come into covenant with him, he wants access to your room. Is that okay, Dan? He's got access to your room, mate. I love Steve Harvey, the guy that does The Price is Right. Now, not only that, he actually does talk show host and he, he has this segment at the end of his talk show called Hey Steve and he, people ask relationship questions. A lot of the stuff is just gold and funny, but a lot of the stuff is also good. But this one lady got up and asked this question. He goes, Steve, can you talk to my fiance? He goes, I want to marry the guy and we're doing a long-distance relationship, but he's about to move to LA and I've got my house, but I want him to buy a separate house, but we're going to be married. And he was just scratching his head, he's old school. He goes, what, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, well, I want to be married, but I want to have my separate life and I want him to live down the street and he can come over when he wants to come over, but we, we need our space. And he just says these words, that's not a marriage, that's friends with benefits. And that was the words that came out of his mouth. You see, sometimes we can treat God like that. Almost like friends with benefits. When we want something from him, come God, you can come and fulfill my needs. You can bring healing to my life. You can change. I need finances, whatever it is. But God, you're down there, down the road, but you come when I want you. Now, when God so loved the world, he gave his only son to die on the cross. He didn't come so he could be friends with benefits when only when you need him. He came because he wanted to forgive you of your sins. He wanted to make you whole and he wanted to come in covenant relationship with you and be in the same room, the room of life with you. This lady created a room in her house, a total stranger, but nevertheless was a man of God. And in it, she put a bed. Now, a bed can represent a place of rest. It says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. You will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden that I give is light. And I read that today, and I just thought, man, I encourage you to write these scriptures down and Go home and read over them this week. It's Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. We live in such a fast-paced world. It's broken. There's a lot of pain, a lot of hatred, a lot of hurt. There's a lot of busyness. It's like a, the, the money makes the world go round, so you get in this rat race and it's just non-stop and then chuck in the bushfires we have and then coronavirus and family breakups and, and all these things going study and what am I going to do for career and what, what are life partners and oh man, there's just so much 
going on. But a bed represents a place of rest. Regardless of what is going on in your world, Jesus is saying, come to me, all who are weary, and I'll give you rest. There's just something about the rest of God that I've been in moments of life where it's just turmoil and busyness and, and all of a sudden when you, you just sit there or lie down on that bed with God in, in terms of that place of rest, there's a peace that comes regardless of what's going on in your world. I'm about to go away on a holiday, so I've got my world. It feels like it's a bottleneck at the moment. I've got work pushing everywhere. The house is messy. I've got to get organized. I've got a million things going on, and I just feel like there's no rest in my life. But I booked in a hike yesterday with my friends. It's one of the places where I find rest. And as soon as I woke up in the morning and I put my shoes on and packed my bag and got in that car, took the first step, I forgot about my world. And I came into a season of rest for literally five, six hours, even though it was such a hard hike. But I found rest. So the woman had a bed. She put a chair. A chair is just something simple that we sit down in and just, just relax. And it, it says in Psalm 20, 20, 23, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows and leads me beside peaceful streams he renews my soul some of the best asian restaurants you don't judge by the fancy signs you judge by the plastic table and chair a simple chair some of the best restaurants i've sat in the most amazing meals i've ever eaten was on a five dollar chair because it's not about the chair it's about what's put into it god actually wants your life to be simple and not complex. Sometimes to rest your weary body or to take a moment out, you don't need a, a $20,000 recliner. You just need a $5 chair. Something simple. Somewhere where you can find a, a moment of rest and peace, where you can look back and enjoy a beautiful meal at an Asian restaurant on a cheap $5 chair. Sometimes in life, all you need to do is sit down and say, see what God has done in your life. The simple things. The good things. Thank you, Lord, for the, the country that we live in. Thank you. You know, last night we were watching a movie. I was sitting there with my daughter and my son, and we had a friend over. And we watched this movie, and it was something of God came up. And I couldn't believe we were watching a God movie on my night off, Dan, but we did. And something came up about being water baptized. And, the, and my daughter said, I've never been water baptized. And I went, what? She's like 18. You've never been water baptized. And I thought as a father, I failed. And the girl next to her said, do you want to do it? She goes, yeah. So last night, as we're watching a simple movie, we filled the bathtub up with water. I couldn't find a plug in the house. We had to put a, a bottle cap over it. Then <laughs> we filled the bath up and it was lukewarm water. It was cold. And I got to baptize my daughter. Something so simple. As we're sitting there in a simple chair watching a movie, and all of a sudden we saw the simplicity of Christ just come through. He's moving constantly regardless of what's going on in your world and he's doing things like that all the time, the simple things. He's just wanting you to take a moment to sit and see what he's doing in your world. She put a bed, a chair. She put a lamp which represents the word of God. Psalm 119 verse 105, it says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
also says in Genesis, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If you want to make room for God, you need to read His Word, because He is the Word. When I was 10 years of age, I couldn't read, and um, I was in a, a youth meeting, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and He said, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 2. Now I knew it must have been God because I didn't even know Corinthians was a book in the Bible back then. And I went to my youth leader and, and I said, I felt like God has given me this verse. And he opened up his Bible and I couldn't read and he read the verse to me. That verse, that simple verse changed my life forever. It actually, I made... That night when I was 10 years of age, I opened up my, my life and made room just a little bit bigger for God to take a, a bit more charge in my life, to speak into my world. And it was at that moment of 10 years of age I made that decision, I want all in. And it came out of the Word. It lights my path. It guides me. It helps me make the decisions in life. It helps me to understand the nature and the character of God. It helps me to be a father. It helps me to be a brother. It helps me to be a friend. It helps me to, to run a business. It's the Word. Simple things in a simple room that this lady created for this man of God, but yet it's had such meaning. Getting back to the basics of a bare room. And then finally... There was the table, and the table represents communion and fellowship. It says in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to sharing a meal, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. It's amazing how God can speak to you when you're in fellowship with other Christians and come around communion. You know, there's been times and seasons in my life when I haven't even been able to pray. I actually don't think about God. I actually didn't want to think about God, but I knew I needed Him. But I had no strength, no effort to even say, God, anything. I ignored Him because in some ways I was quite angry at Him. But nevertheless, I needed Him to move in my life, but I had no strength and effort to do it. But one thing I could do was the most simplest thing. And Jacob will tell you this because we did it night after night after night. We got a piece of bread and we got some wine. And as a family, not wine, <laughs> you're only about 15 about then. But we got some bread and some grape juice and we sat down at the table when I was exhausted, had nothing else to give. And we had communion and we broke the bread and we drank the wine. And we just said, God, we've got nothing to pray, but we just pray that this communion would speak into our, into our world, into our, and into our room. We welcome you as part of our life. Do you know that when you have nothing else to give, when you feel like you've tried everything, that you're hitting your head against the wall and you don't even know what to pray, you don't even know what to say sometimes, communion will do the work for you. Because that quiet act of sitting at the table shouts life into your situation, brings healing to your situation, reminds you of salvation, reminds you of forgiveness, 
It reminds you of who you are in him. Communion reminds me that I have a seat at his table, who I am, that I'm a son of the Most High God, that you're a daughter of the Most High God. And sometimes the simplicity of sitting in a cheap $5 chair and grabbing a piece of stale bread or some, some grape juice or wine takes you to the throne room and reminds you that you have a seat at his table. She did those simple things and put that there for that, that woman. All you need to do to make room for him is have a bed, a place of rest in him, to have a table, a place where you can have communion and fellowship with him and others, a chair to represent the simplicity of the things that he's doing in your life and the word which speaks life, which is who he is. Eight weeks ago, I needed to hear from God. My world was busy. It was crazy, as most of you guys are. And I know in the busyness of life, sometimes it's very hard to tune all these other things out just to focus and hear something from God. But I was in this crossroad that I needed to hear from God. And I had to step out of my busy life and world and I jumped on a plane to go somewhere. And the moment that I got my passport stamped, as the guy stamped it, and I was out of my own atmosphere, out of my own world, God spoke to me there and then. Then I got on the plane and he began to speak to me even more. Then I got to the destination where I was meant to be, out of the atmosphere. But I created this space in my world for God that I shut everything else out for a moment. And when the clutter and the busyness of life disappeared, it was there that God spoke. you got to... I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I know that there's some people here that need to hear from God. Now, you can come to a pastor, you can come for a friend. They can pray for you, you can, they can tell you what they think God is saying. But there is something special when God speaks to you and it's just Him and you. Some of you guys might need to make some space for Him. Some of you guys might need to shut some things out of your life. It might be your social media. It might be your phone you need to put down. It might be the alcohol. It might be late nights. Whatever it is, you've got, you know what it is. But if you need to hear from God, then I encourage you, you need to make room for Him. I close with this. And I'm going to spend some time just around communion together. But it goes on as we read that scripture. And this woman had no desire in her heart that to do this act for this man of God, to create a room for him to, to stay and be in the house. She, she didn't do it to get something back. But it's funny that when she did do it, the man of God saw the need and gave her her heart's desire. You know, God's not an angry God and he's not a mean God and says, you must do this and then I'll give you that. But it's funny when you open up your life to him and make room for him, you begin to realize the God who he really is. He's the miraculous God. He's the supernatural God. He's the God of healing. He's the God of hope. He's the God of life. And before you know it, as you open your world up to him, his world invades yours. And this woman opened her world up to the man of God. And before she knew it, the man of God's world invaded hers. And she got the desire of her heart, which was a son. And it goes on to say, it's too long to read. 
But it goes on in the next chapters that she has this boy and years later, it's in this one chapter, years later the boy grows up and goes out to the field with her father and says to, says to his father, Dad, I've got a sore head. And he sends him to sit down and before he knows that the boy collapses, then carries it to the mum, sits on the mum's lap and the boy dies. What a sad, sad story. Came birthed out of the room came because she made room for God. Then all of a sudden God expanded her life and made room for her. And then all of a sudden this dream and the desire that finally came to pass is sitting on a lap dead. You know there's things in our lives and I, I, I'm preaching to myself that the once alive, once I had dreams that were alive, things, things were, were going in the right direction. But all of a sudden it just feels like things die and and nobody cares. There's one thing that this woman does which I could, we can learn from so much. Instead of weeping and mourning or digging a hole in the ground for her son, the scripture says she carries that boy up and puts him in the room where the man of God was on the bed that she made. And then she went and searched for this man of God and when she finds him, the, the guy goes, what's wrong? Is your husband okay? Is your son okay? And her response is, everything is okay. Because her first response when her world dies, when her dream dies, when her hope and her future dies, instead of suffering and weeping and mourning, she runs back to the room. The place where the dream was birthed in the first place. And she finds God again. And the story says that the man of God comes back and lays hands on the boy and he comes back to life again. You see, when you make room for God, he makes room for you. There's things that I've done in my life that I've never, ever, ever dreamed that I would even do. Even now things are beginning to open, doors are opening for me that I never even thought would actually ever happen. But I can honestly say it's happening because I've opened up my life and made room for God in my life. There's this box. I close with this story. There's this box in my garage that when I left Wollongong uh, about, must have been 20 years ago, and I relocated to Perth, we shipped it over on the truck and uh, I didn't know what was in it so I just left it on the floor in the garage. We stayed in Perth for five years and then we moved back to Canberra and I still didn't know what was in that box so we put it in the moving truck and we brought it back and that box still sits in my garage today 13 years later. I still don't know what's in that box. And when I was putting this message together, God said, sometimes people can treat me like that box, Murray. They've got me under the roof in the house, but it's tucked away in the garage and it's cold and dusty and, 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 and I'm unneeded. But they don't realize, you know, I could have like jewels. I could have bars of gold in that box that I forgot about, Dan. But I will never know because I've left that box in my garage and I haven't brought it into my living room. I feel like God tonight is challenging us as we come back to the basics, is to invite him back into our living rooms, in the living rooms of life, into your world, into your workplace. I heard a story this week, it just blew my mind, of one of the young ladies that attends here. I prayed for her about a month ago and she had some health issues and I didn't think anything of it after that. 
but I heard through the grapevine that she got healed. It's incredible. I'm so glad I didn't hear about it from, from her and or anything because I didn't want any glory out of it because God did it all. I'm so grateful that we took him out of the box that night and we, we, when she said that um, I'm not well, I, I, I was, he was in my world, he was in my room. So I thought, well, let's bring him into this situation. He wants to come into your situation. A few things happened when Jesus entered a room. Matthew 8, he healed Peter's mum. Matthew 17, he, he met the financial needs of Peter f- to pay taxes. Wouldn't that be great? Mark 5, when he entered the house, he raised a young girl from the dead and brought her back to life. Mark 2, when Jesus entered the house, people were attracted and they couldn't fit any more people in, so they had to break a hole in the roof and lower the guy down just to get in his presence when he enters your house. Luke chapter 19, he takes the Zacchaeus as he, he, he goes into his house and he, he turns his life upside down. You see, this world that we live in rejected Jesus. They wouldn't even give Jesus' mother a room at the inn. Instead, they chucked him out a room at the back and he was born in a stable. But yet, I now choose to give him a room in my heart. A room in my mind, a room in my family, a room in my my wealth and my finances, a room in my sickness, a, a room in my pain, in my suffering, in my business in my relationships, in in my workplace, I choose to give him room. Why don't you stand with me tonight? I'm sorry if I've gone on a little bit too long. We are going over the next four weeks back to basics and we're looking at a few things like prayer and and, uh, the word and giving. But we have an opportunity right here, right now. You may have been challenged in some way. You may have been bored out of your brains. That is totally fine too. But I thought, what better way tonight to create space and room for God in this place, in our lives, but to have communion together. And if uh, you guys wouldn't mind just handing that out. We're going to play a song called Make Room. And I want you just to feel free to stand, to sit, whatever you like, but take the communion and take this moment, whether it be five minutes, just to to pray to God. He might have challenged you. There might be areas in your life that God wants to be a part of. I want you to open your life and say, God, if this is your prayer tonight, I make room for you tonight. You might be empty. You might have nothing to pray. Well, just be here in the moment and take communion and give him space to move.